Welcome to Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. We start off our program today with a visit from Augie Barheit. You may recall that Augie was with us earlier this year to tell us about the July Rolling Thunder Gathering that happens every year at the Geno Murley Center in downtown Scranton. Today, Augie is here to tell us how you can get involved. No, you don't have to be a veteran and you don't have to ride a motorcycle. All you have to do is want to help. Augie, we usually have you here around the time that uh, Rolling Thunder is getting together and doing a very big event that everybody knows you for, which is? It's a Salute to Veterans ride, and it's held at Geno Murley Center on Mulberry Street in Scranton. And when is that? Third Sunday in July, every year. Okay, so we're a little bit past July and a little bit time to go. So today you're in because... You'd like to get more people involved in Rolling Thunder, in helping the veterans. What are you What are you looking for? Well, we'd like to see more help, like to get some new members if we could. Uh, we're a small group right now. We're only about 17 or 18 people. And I think we're one of the bigger rides in the area. And it, it's kind of tough. Most of us are senior citizens anymore. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> oh, trust me, I feel like it. Some days are better than others. Yeah. <laughs> so when you say that you'd like to get other people involved, what are you looking for? Are you looking for riders? Are you looking for volunteers? Actually, both. I, I'd like to get some volunteers that would that are interested in helping the veterans. Uh, during the winter, we do six bingos one, once a month. And it's kind of nice. You get down to the Murley Center there, and you spend an hour, maybe an hour and a half by the time you bring them down from the rooms and take them back. Oh, you actually go to the center and play bingo yes, with we, the vets. we sponsor the bingo, and uh, we just give them a hand with their cards and uh, whatever else they need at that time. So, again, you're busy in the wintertime because the big part is in July, but you also had mentioned um, at one point in time when we talked that Christmas is very important. Yes, it is. The money we raise in the ride in July there. That money's earmarked pretty much for their Christmas present. And it's nice. We go down Christmas morning, we pass out the presents. And usually it's something like a blanket or a sweater, a nice cardigan sweater, or maybe a sweatsuit. There's a committee up there between employees and residents, and they decide what they need for that year. So everyone that's in the center there gets the same present every year. Oh, okay. So it's it's not like you have to worry about, well, gee, I've played bingo with this gentleman the last week and he mentioned that he'd like this or anything like that. So No, no, we <laughs> we kinda let it that stuff to the family if they have family that comes in to see them. You know, there's some of these guys up there that they have no family coming in. I knew of one resident that family member dropped him off and that was the last he seen them. Wow. I mean that, that's kinda hard. Uh, it it touches you. When you get up there and you see some of the stories. And when you have the opportunity to go up and uh, just going up and playing bingo, about how many people, uh, you said you have about 17, 18, is it the whole club? No, it, it varies. This this past Sunday we had five people there. And one gentleman came in and he left early because he had a commitment. Yeah, It's kind of loose for what we do there. But as a requirement for Rolling Thunder, we, we need to get three events in. So if we do our ride and two bingos, we've got our three events. Then all we have to do is make a few meetings. Give us a little bit of the background of Rolling Thunder. Rolling Thunder was started down in Jersey, I believe it was, 
that's where our national headquarters is. A few gentlemen, they wanted to make uh, people aware of the POW MIA issues. You know, how many people were actually left behind and nothing was being done for them. So they, they started this organization in 20, ooh, I'm going to say almost 30 years ago. They started doing a protest ride in Washington. And it started out with a few thousand motorcycles. And it's been as high as over a million motorcycles for that one-day event. We take up the whole Pentagon parking lot, the north parking lot. And then now we've taken over the south parking lot. And there's a, another small overflow lot, we call it. And I've seen where all three lots were just jammed full and they couldn't put anybody else in. They just blocked the street and left the bike sit there until we got going. And it'd take four hours for everybody to get out of the parking lots and get through the ride. Wow. Yeah. That's And so compare that to what you folks do in July here. You get, a for this area, you do get a great crowd. We get a great crowd here. We get anywhere from three to, we've had as high as 800 motorcycles at one time. Now, when we talk about the fact that you're looking for some volunteers, I think it's probably a good idea to point out that riding is not necessarily a requirement. No, it's not. You don't need a motorcycle, and you don't have to be a veteran. All you have to have is the desire to help veterans and their issues. And where do you meet? We meet at the VFW on Main Street in DuPont, uh, the third Wednesday of every month at 7 p.m. We try and keep it informal. You know, I'm not a good public speaker and <laughs> I think you're doing great <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to get it quick and simple and be on our way we've all got busy lives and mm-hmm. so when you go to the meetings in DuPont then you have the opportunity to kind of plan out a little bit and I guess one of the other things too I have to ask is here you are do you have any of the ladies involved as well oh yeah my wife uh, the vice president's wife I think five or six women in our chapter right now and they're pretty strong with it you know they they keep us in line. <laughs> they probably come up with a lot of those good ideas. <laughs> yeah, they're very good at that. <laughs> when uh, when we're talking about, again, the whole idea of helping the veterans, you focus mainly on Genome Early Center in Scranton, or do you branch out? Um, our chapter took on the Genome Early Center 20 years ago. That's a requirement with Rolling Thunder. Each chapter needs to have a facility or a veterans base that they sponsor, you know, that's their primary help. When there was a chapter down in Hazleton, they would come up to the Veterans uh, Hospital here in Wilkesboro. And, you know, we kind of worked together back then. And I don't know what happened down there, but they had folded. And we've been fortunate up here. You know, we've been as high as 200 members, and now we're down to 17 or 18. Hopefully I can build it back up again so we, we have a successful chapter here. When we're talking about the chapters as well, so are you the only Rolling Thunder chapter here in Northeast Pennsylvania? In Northeastern Pennsylvania, yes. There's a gentleman, he's talking about trying to start one down near Stroudsburg. I haven't really got much information on that yet. I'll, I'll get it as soon as he starts because I'm also the state liaison for Rolling Thunder. Do you have a website, Facebook page? I know probably the national does, but how about the local? Yeah, we do. It's uh, rollingthunderpa3.com. And we're also on Facebook. Just do a search. Yeah, and it'll come right up. I know you said that you don't like to keep people very long because that's probably one of the biggest things is time. But do you have a time requirement that you ask people, you must do this, you must do that kind of thing? No, we have a few meetings a year, and 
like I said, three events, which you can do rather easily. We've got seven events that we do throughout the year. You know, we got six bingos plus the ride. And if there's something that comes up, uh, Toby Hanna Depot, when they do the POW MIA Day, we put a flag one year and then a wreath the next. And Christmas morning. Christmas morning, yes, that's that's a big one. If somebody would just like to get involved in maybe that, could they just could they just do that? Because I know it's just like many other organizations, especially on the holidays, they bring food to people, they you know, that kind of oh, a yeah. thing. All they have to do is get a hold of me and we'll take care of it. And what's the best way to do that? Email is A U G I E B A R at comcast.net that's the best way to get a hold of me and uh, i'll gladly get back to you and let you know what's going on give us again augie the um place for the meetings when they happen it's the vfw on main street in dupont it's the third wednesday of every month at 7 p.m and you did say you have six bingos are they random times during the year certain months usually it's the sunday after our meeting so that, that way you can right. kind of take a head count and let everybody know. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to give the floor to you and the microphone. You just tell everybody who you're looking for, why you're looking for them, and again, why it's important that they should remember their vets. I'm looking for anyone that has a passion to help our veterans, past and present, our POWs, our MIAs, and our primary goal here is to... Let people be aware that we have left people behind and we don't want it to happen again. Also, the riders, third Sunday in July, I believe this coming year, would be the 21st, and that would be our 20th ride, and we're trying to make it a big one this year. We're already starting to plan with Warhorse and people that are major sponsors in that to help us out here. It sounds like you might get some help from the National as well, and, and maybe not as big as Washington, but you might be able to rival them with a couple of parking lots in downtown Scranton. I hope so. <laughs> well, maybe National, they have their meeting the same day as our ride, so I hope they'll come in and have their meeting up here. Oh, that'd be, well, you'll have to keep us posted yeah, on that. I'll have to, that have would to try be, that. Yeah, that would be, nice. be great. Yep. Augie, thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to Augie Barheit for joining us and telling us about how you can get involved in Rolling Thunder. And remember, you don't have to be a veteran and you don't have to have a motorcycle or even ride a motorcycle. If you'd like more information, you can stop by their meeting the third Wednesday of the month, 7 p.m. at the VFW Main Street in DuPont. Or you can get a hold of Augie by sending him an email to Augie, A-U-G-I-E, B-A-R at Comcast.net. Don't go away. More special edition to come. Welcome back to Special Edition. The weather's getting colder and everybody needs to bundle up. Pennsylvania State Police Trooper First Class David Peters joins us. He is the Community Service and Public Information Officer at Troop in Hazleton to tell us how they're trying to help the community stay warm this upcoming winter season. We usually have the state police here when we're talking about the holidays and watching (laughs) driving and we're talking about some other things. But now, this time, you have something pretty exciting that you're involved with. Yes, we are uh, conducting a coat drive campaign, Coats for the Community. 
just wanted to get out in different areas uh, for our community, different ways we can assist them. I mean, we were always there, obviously, in their time of need, whether it's a traffic collision or uh, some type of other tragedy in their lives. But this time of year brings about a lot of need, um, not just at the holidays. The weather's changing. Sometimes people uh, may not have enough money to buy a coat when they need to pay rent and do other things else like that. So we just want to provide another resource for the community uh, to give them things that they may need. Now, it must be very interesting for someone in your position, state police, because as you said, you come across so many different scenes of so many different times when people's lives are not good, whether it's an accident, whether it's a crime scene, something like that. Does that give you another perspective when you're, you know, involved in something like this, because you kind of see the people firsthand, but it's not like you have a tight connection. You're just there to help. Right. Most of the time when you go to an incident, like whether it's a, a collision or to someone's house for a, a tragic event, you're sort of focused on that tragic event, but you do see what is going on around you. And uh, we're just driving down the street and it's really cold outside and you might see a person not have a you know, the proper clothing they have on to, to deal with those elements. But um, in our in our position, myself and, and my partner here, Trooper Anthony Petrosky, we we actively go try to go out there and find different ways that we can help the community and, and be more visible, just not at those times when you expect us to be there. We want to be there. Uh, we do a lot of different community things with organizations to try to just get ourselves involved with them, let them realize that we are here for them, whether it's during an incident or in a time of need. Well, it's also nice, too, because we hear Camp Cadet. We hear Sunny Day Camp. Absolutely. We So, again, you have an opportunity to meet people, meet different, all different types of people in the community through those events. Sure. And they must also give you an, uh, another chance to hear from another side of the population. Even though it's a good event, mm-hmm. you're also getting a bit more insight there. Absolutely. That's a perfect point where we, we meet these individuals at these camps. Take Sunny Day, for an instance. We've had a young lady that came through Sunny Day who participated in the Hazleton Challenger program. And uh, they that family reached out to Trooper Petrosky this past uh, summer. Their challenger was selected to play in the Little League World Series. Um, so we were able to get in there and uh, give them a send-off that, that he arranged with fire trucks. and they, It was, is again, just a, a, a wonderful thing to be a part of that had we not had that prior connection, that maybe these young people would have went off with, with a different type of send-off. And I'll tell you what, it was unbelievable. It, it was, was so much fun. Yeah, it, it yeah. really was. That was, that was a, a... And again, I, I don't want to say that people look at the, the Pennsylvania State Police or any type of police official, even fire officials, EMS officials, and sometimes they're a little bit standoffish because they think, oh, well, you're only here because I must be in trouble or I must have done something wrong. So when you're involved, what what do you, what, you're laughing. <laughs> we get that a lot. It's no different than when you're a, a, a child and you're walking by law enforcement and your parents tell you if you're not listening, the cops are going to arrest you. Right. That's definitely not the image that we want. Um, and, uh, we're mostly focused in those types of events that people see us in. So I, they perceive it as standoffish. We're focused. We're always kind of aware of our surroundings. Um, even in a good event, you, you still don't, I don't want to say you want to let your guard down, but we're always aware of what's going on around us. So um, we try to get out every day and 
and bridge that gap and uh, break down those barriers that people who just think as as robots that go out write tickets investigate crimes that that's there's a lot of great law enforcement people in our department and local departments that do stuff this on a daily basis and and it's not about notoriety for them it's not about this it's just really about helping their community kind of old-fashioned community policing back yeah. in the day when people walked the beat they got out of the car they met the people in their neighborhood they knew what was going on and in their time of need they were there and in today's world that's so much scarier unfortunately <laughs> <It is. laughs> maybe getting back to basics is what we need um, you know there's been a lot of things that go on and we just want to make sure that people understand that we are here for them and we will do whatever we can to assist them in any way and as far as the coat drive is concerned now a lot of times around this time of the year Many organizations will start a coat drive or anything like that, gloves, hats, and focus on children. But it, you're not doing just that. We want to focus on everybody. Um, you know, obviously children are come to the forefront there. But there's a lot of people that don't have coats in that. And there's a lot of great organizations, like I've said earlier, that do this every year. Mm-hmm. A lot of church groups, community groups. And by no means, we want people, if you donate to your church and do that, continue to do that. We just want to be another avenue or resource for the community that if you don't go to a particular church or you're they're not doing it, you can give it to us. And uh, what we're going to do is, at the end of the drive, all the items collected are going to be dispersed to local charities within the county that that station resides in. Mm. So we have stations in Monroe, Carbon, Columbia, and Luzerne. And here in northern Luzerne, True P. Wyoming, uh, locally, they are a part of this as well. Oh. So they can go there, and I think recently um, they're putting a box out here. Oh, good. So, and uh, we'll, whatever we can do to get these items out to, to shelters, to community groups, just want to be that extra extra effort for them this, this time of year. So then it's not just Troop In. Well, yeah, not just Troop N. I, I'm not sure what stations in Troop P. My understanding was that only it was Wyoming, but if there's other stations in Troop P that want to be a part of this, the more the merrier for mm-hmm. me when I look at it. Um, we want those items for these people. We, it, it, we just want to be there for them, and whoever wants to be a part of it can contact me. We're trying to keep the boxes on a, on a local area and for us because we our stations are manned 24-7, uh, so people can just come in and drop them off. Um, it's just easier for us to be able to control and organize mm-hmm. where the items are going and, and how they're being distributed. So where can someone drop off the items then? Uh, well, obviously, as of this morning, they can drop one off here from Monday <laughs> through Friday, Intercom, 9 to 5. Like Doc. Intercom they, is always glad to help. They can drop them off at our Hazleton station, um, as well as True P. Wyoming, the Wyoming station. If they're in Monroe County, it could be at the State Police Fernridge Barracks on 115 or down at the Stroudsburg Barracks, which is just off of 611. Um, down in Le- Carbon County, it would be our station in Lehighton, as well in Columbia County, it would be our station at Bloomsburg. So it's not that you're looking for just children's coats, men, women, Absolutely. snowsuits, a- you name it, Absolutely. gloves, hats. New- newly or gently used coats for all ages, and uh, we would like newly purchased blankets, hats, and gloves that we can get out to people. And I mean, there's a lot of different organizations. Obviously, we say shelters, uh, you know, veterans shelters that are out there, homeless shelters. We, we just want to be able to give these organizations maybe an extra boost. We know at different times of the year, they get taxed. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an overwhelming need at certain times. But, you know, if we can help contribute to them and assist them in getting stuff out to the public and the community to keep them warm, that's what we want to be. And on the other side of this, if there is an organization who may be hearing you mm-hmm. And they're saying, gee, that sounds like something, but we don't have anything set up, but maybe they could help us. How would they get in touch with you? Uh, they can contact uh, us at the uh, Hazleton station. My um, 
Phone number is 570-459-3900. My extension is 269. Um, they can also, if they need to reach out as well to Trooper Petrosky, it'd be the same phone number with an extension of 216. And the uh, website? Uh, no Facebook website, page? No, no, real? Uh, no we, didn't, we don't really have it on a web page, but it's just more of a call because we don't know every organization that do that. Obviously, mm-hmm. sometimes there's churches and things that do uh, shelters that... We we're, maybe we're not aware of right. So we would ask them to contact us so we can at least make sure that the organization is is legit and mm-hmm. what they're doing, so that the items get to properly be where they need to be. And then, if anybody, when when are you looking as far as the uh, dates of this for the donations? Uh, we kicked it off October fifteenth, and the deadline is going to be November sixteenth. Oh, we've, we've kind of figured we'd have Indian summer going on right now. <laughs> Probably need for it right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everybody's starting uh, to get right. their their woolies out. Uh, sure. So I mean, we're hoping um, by November sixteenth that'll give us time before the holiday. Um, to distribute to where we need to do. Okay. Anything else that maybe we've missed that you want to make sure everybody knows about? Just, you know, anything you can do in your part to help your community. It doesn't have to be for our drive. It could be any drive that's out there, canned food drive this time of year, uh, helping out at a soup kitchen, anything that you can give back to your community. I think we, we need each other more now than we ever did. Truer words were never <laughs> said. Once again, thank you to Pennsylvania State Police Trooper First Class David Peters from Troop in Hazleton to give us the details about their ongoing winter coat drive. And don't forget, they have the boxes at all of the barracks that they serve, as well as some of the other troops as well. You can give them a call and ask. And of course, we here at Intercom Radio are very pleased to be helping out with that coat drive. Hi, Mark Bott, the founder of Operation Kids Safe. Join the Ken Pollock Auto Group team for family safety-focused events in October. My Amber Alert Ready Kids Safe system will be at each event, and it's free. Parents take home the only record of the visit with digital lifetime fingerprints. Every one of these events has a lot of activities going on, like PSU tailgating, trunk or treat, and more. To review the activities happening at each location and to check out the dates, go to KenPollockAutoGroup.com or their Facebook page. Intercom's Jason Barsky was able to catch up with Mark Bott to find out about Kids Safe and those upcoming events. Welcome to the show, the founder of uh, Operation Kids Safe. This is Mark Bott. It's, uh, you have an event coming up. Uh... Here's the co- cool thing. Our system that produces Amber Alert Ready bio documents for the kids, Yeah, it's free and it's private. The parents take home the only record of the visit, and we're going to be at each event. So our system will be on site at each one of these events. So you can go to them all, have fun. Uh, they've got all kinds of activities and fun going on for families. You know, I described this before as like a very modernized version of how you used to go to like the state fair and get your kids, you know, the kids would get fingerprinted and get a sheriff's badge sticker and stuff. But uh, this is like using modern technology. How is it different? How does it go further than just fingerprinting? Well, I'll tell you, it, uh, we use infrared technology. We use the same basic equipment that the FBI and Secret Service use. It's, uh, uh, I don't believe in databasing, so we don't even ask for any names or information. I believe the parents should have the only record of this visit, and then it's incumbent upon them to keep it at home. And if they ever have a family emergency, they can share it with law enforcement at that time. And I think that keeps the privacy angle down. And uh, we've safeguarded over a million kids in 17 years, so uh, probably a, a fairly one of my few great decisions <laughs> was not to take anybody's name because you just can't protect the database anymore as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that, you know, uh, so that was a decision made before all this was an issue. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, well, was... yeah, and you know, I think it's always sort of been an issue, but it certainly is a cyber issue now, as they say. So, um, again, uh, free and private. It's here's the cool thing too. It takes about thirty to sixty seconds ish, somewhere in that area, depending on how the kids, you know, if they if they're gonna do well with it but uh, so let's say 60 seconds you walk out with all 10 digitized fingerprints that are good for a lifetime you get safety tips from us that have really been put together for today's world and things that younger kids particularly can actually use uh, for years and I've been in the safety end of things I worked for John Walsh with uh, America's Most Wanted for four years back in the 90s and uh, started my own program my wife and I did 17 years ago so it's the the thing that I'll tell you is we've really never given kids the right information we've g- given them things that keep them in proximity of a potential bad person which is not you know, like the family code, let's negotiate what my family code is. You're standing right there with the bad guy, they win. So I've never been a believer in that. But we've got some other strategies and very simple stuff that a child can remember. Uh, what made you get into this? I know you mentioned John Walsh, and I know the you know story about his son. Was it a personal situation that got you connected with him, or was well, it just- we had a we had a scare in our family two decades ago, and I was just it was the perfect storm for me. I just w- had sold a chain of businesses, and uh, I was uh, wanting to go out and volunteer for a month, and I just never stopped. I met John, I met a bunch of people out, and I, here's what I figured out pretty quickly: um, the p- parents had no information, the bad guys had it all. And, you know, whether it's 99 against one, we're the good guys, right? We're the 99. Uh, All you have to do is have your child run headlong into a little bit less than 1%. And if they don't have some tools, uh, you're not going to like the outcome. So you're not always, you know, I had uh, years ago, I had what they call tough guy syndrome. I'm six foot foot two, 280 pounds. And, you know, you would walk by and say, probably not going to touch my kid. Well, that's a dream because you're not always an arm's length away from your child. Just doesn't work like that. So we're going to give you prevention, education, but we're wrapping it in fun. So I think this is maybe the third year we've done this with the Pollock Auto Group. But they, they, they pulled out of the stops this year, the Ford store in Berwick. That's going to be a Penn State versus Iowa tailgate party, food, fun, surprises for the kids, sort of a family fun day with a tailgating theme, and then the Halloween celebration. And again, the second one, too. We're going to be at every one of these events. The system will be. And then the final one is Wednesday the 31st from noon to 8. That's on a Wednesday, and that's at Ken Pollock Volvo Cars there in Pittston. And we're gonna, they're going to do trunk or treat. Costumes are optional. They're going to have all kinds of fun stuff again. So it's just a great October in your area, and you can stop stop out to any one of these events and get this done for your kids. On our, you know, they're going to have more than us. We're we're just a small component of what they're doing. Yeah, you know what? It's not fun sometimes to be an adult. The kids get everything, but you know what? It's always worth it to see them smile. You know, I, I, I was looking at some of the information that was sent over from your press people. You were one of the people, I guess, who was behind the start of the Amber Alert. Is that right? Eh, maybe a little bit too much credit. Okay. But, um, yeah, well, you know, I spent a couple of years doing town meetings across the country and talking to governors and, and working the best I could, you know, being a, just a, a parent, to t- tell everybody that media, um, the public, law enforcement all need to be on the same page if there's a missing child. You know, there's no 24-hour rule. That's old school. Uh, you know, the, the, the police know what they're doing. They just jump into action. But 
we never had all those components together, and now we do. So that you know, John Walsh was the big push behind that, but I was involved, and yeah. in, uh, so that's about uh, that. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> it's interesting too because I remember when I first heard this. I didn't have children. I was younger. I was a radio guy, and I thought, wait, they're going to interrupt our songs for this. And then I remember the first time I heard an Amber Alert go off, and like an hour later, the kid was found. I was yep. like, I was a fool. Like, it, amazing. It, it's amazing because not only did the Amber Alert end up getting everyone on the same page in the law enforcement and the media, but it got the public involved too. Yeah, which you put been, like in in Dallas when uh, you know the we we continue to name laws after deceased children, unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, Amber was a little girl abducted, and you know, not a good outcome. I don't know how old your listeners are, so we'll leave it at that. And uh, and so uh, I was at a town meeting back in the '90s, and uh, her parents were in the front row. And this was after the the situation, and they were pushing a thing called the Amber Alert, named after her. And uh, I was absolutely moved. And the comment from one of the parents was, "When you think about it, how could a Rolling Stones song be more important than my daughter's life?" Yeah, I'll tell you, people in the industry thought that way, though. And then when we all, at least from my perspective, as soon as they saw it work, yep, wow, it was because mm-hmm. on paper it did, it's like, oh, we're gonna. It didn't sound like something that would be useful, and then. It was, it's probably, of all the, you know, like you said, the, the names that have been given to some of these things, I think Amber Alert might be the most effective. Yeah, no doubt. And it puts what it does, it puts millions of sets of eyes, like in Dallas where that happened. It, put, it would have put millions of sets of eyes looking for a red pickup truck and a, just, and a some, somewhat description. And I'm going to tell you, the public is all over it. They, they, we all, you know, again, it's a 99 to 1 deal. 99% of the people driving on that road absolutely want to see that bad guy go down. So if you have if you have kids, if you have grandkids, uh, bring them out. The uh, 27th is in Berwick for the uh, Penn State game. What was the time on that one again? It was noon to... Was it noon? Uh, the the one in uh, Berwick is uh, on the twenty seventh is noon to three okay. tailgate party food and fun surprises the game and then the thirty first is yep. in uh, Pittston. Ken Pollock Volvo Love Car it. Store. Now don't go away. There's more special edition to come. Welcome back to Special Edition. During October, it was Fire Prevention Week, but it's always a good time to remind you about smoke detectors and CO detectors as well. Pat DeSarno, superintendent with the Scranton Fire Department, reminds you... We have a, an amazing smoke detector program in the city that I don't know why it's not being utilized more. If you call this number, 570-348-4164, and you hit prompt one, extension one, we have a program that gives you two 10-year detectors, th- three, whatever, however many bedrooms you have, we will put two-year smoke detectors in, and a CO alarm for free, installed. Awesome. All you need to do as a Scranton, every Scranton resident, you don't have to own, whether you own, rent, if you call this number, we have we will install for you free smoke detectors because our our main goal is is uh, safety, you know, especially with for children. Um, and we've tried to get the word out to the, into the schools. You know, we've we've expanded this program under my tenure, so for lack of a better word, because that's something I'm really uh, up on. I really care about. Well, again, it's prevention. Yes, prevention. Uh, it, sadly, or a lot of the the uh, injuries and sometimes fatalities that happen could have been. Prevent it with a little bit of a uh, little bit of some smoke detectors. 
in yeah. a home and a CO detector. Yeah, that was part of that was one of the things we added to our, to the to our program that we've had in place. And we just expanded it a little more, but we're really trying to push it. And I really wish people would take advantage of it uh, in the city of Scranton. Free installation, you can't beat it. No, and and you'll come. Simple phone call. I might might stop by <laughs> personally. Thanks again to Pat DeSarno for joining us on Special Edition. And just as a reminder, even if you don't live in the city of Scranton, you should contact your local fire department and find out what help you can get with smoke detectors and CO alarms for your home and other good suggestions for fire safety as well. Now, as Special Edition continues, we join Intercom's Frank Andrews, who recently spoke with William Bennett. He's the former Secretary of Education under President Reagan. He talks about how the Janus decision in the Supreme Court affects teachers' unions. William Bennett, former education secretary under President Reagan, author of 45 books, many of which I have read. Book of Virtues, great book. The Educated Child, every parent should read. And at Christmas time, you got to read The True St. Nicholas. And Dr. Bennett's on the line right now. What an honor to talk to you, sir. How are you? Thank you. Thanks for the review of the books. Only 24. Oh, 24. But, uh, okay. That's enough. <laughs> that's enough. But thank you. So tell me, what is, what is, what are you, why are you in Harrisburg and, and what's going on down there? We uh, testified this morning, um, several of us, a couple lawyers uh, and a school teacher from Pennsylvania, some others, and myself about uh, the implementation of the Janus decision. You mentioned you had Mark on, and uh, this was a, a, a brave guy. Pericles said the secret of democracy is courage. And Mark Janus stepped up, and uh, as a result, we got a Supreme Court decision that says if you... Uh, or in a union, you cannot assume anymore that the people who enter that school and join the profession are part of that union. They have to give affirmative consent to joining the union. No more presumption of union membership. Uh, no more acting as if it's inevitable that you're a union member. This uh, could have very profound consequences. I shouldn't say very profound. It should have, could have profound consequences in the future. Right now, it's shaking things up, making the unions nervous. But still, and I thank you for having me on, Frank, a lot of teachers, as the teacher testifying in Harrisburg said today, don't know about the Janus decision, that they have more options uh, than they knew, know that, than they previously thought they had. So, so, I mean, what's the, the education committee in Harrisburg is doing what, or what, why did they need your testimony? John Eichelberger uh, drafted legislation, Senate Bill 1278, saying here's how we implement um, the Supreme Court decision. Um, what's happened, let me do it in reverse, is that a number of states, which are strong union states, like Pennsylvania, have uh, already gone uh, into mischief and have said, okay, uh, you're free to join or not and say yes or no. We'll give you 48 hours to do so. Or you have to call this number and talk to so-and-so within two days, or we assume you're in the union. This uh, bill lays out uh, in very clear terms what the union can and cannot do and what your rights as an individual are. This decision was an affirmation of First Amendment rights, people's right to free speech as understood by the court. And it says, in order for you to be considered a member of a teacher's union, you must give, and the phrase is, affirmative consent to joining that union. 
Right. When we, we talked to some uh, some union experts after the decision, and they were talking about uh, the, uh, the unions having a big effort right after the decision to get people to sign papers to opt in automatically. That's right. what you're talking about. Right. Yeah, before people knew they had, they had the freedom to opt out or and, uh, and had more uh, decision ability than they thought they had before, they got them to renew. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of that kind of mischief going on. A lot of pressure to get people to sign away their rights, if you will, uh, for the indefinite future uh, until they get word uh, that they don't have to do that anymore, that it's a new, uh, a new ball game. This legislation makes plain what you can and cannot do within the rules uh, in the state of Pennsylvania. And I, we recommended this legislation um, as a model for, uh, for other states. When I say we, I'm chairman of a group now called Conservative Leaders for Education, working with the states. And we were just delighted to be in Harrisburg, a strong union state, which, you know, the senators said we're not anti-union, but just we're, we're pro-teacher and we're pro-individual rights. Now, this bill, it was introduced, it's got, got a long way to go, and I don't know that Governor Wolf would necessarily, by his track record, be a big supporter of this. Yeah, my guess is Governor Wolf will not be a supporter of it. Uh, by every indication, he isn't. But um, uh, this, uh, as I understand this legislature, you would know better than I, has gotten around him uh, before on several things and could possibly do it again. Uh, we'll see. But the fight is worth having. Okay, now... As you know, some fights are worth having whether you win or lose, but I think they could win this one. You know, look, I, look, if, if, if they don't, the kinds of things that will likely happen in Pennsylvania will be the kinds of things that will go to court and will be ultimately struck down because we're going to see all sorts of stuff going on in the states trying to blunt, slow walk, prevent put up obstacles to the implementation. So, you know, you can, you can have it now or have it later, but um, I, I think some uh, leadership here should be called for. And again, the tenor of the meeting this morning, the hearing was not any union. It was pro-teacher. Right. And, you know, I've, I've said many times here, whenever we mention teachers union, you know, the teachers individually, you know, somehow get blamed for every problem in the world from property taxes on down. And I keep Correct. saying it's not the teachers. What, what's going to be the effect of, of all this on the classroom? Well, I hope in the long run, a better, uh, a better, a better effect, a better a conception of oneself uh, than a lot of teachers have now. Uh, you know, I, I remember collecting all my notes when I was Secretary of Education about teaching. And my favorite quote is from, uh, I'm sure, a play you know, A Man for All Seasons, about Thomas More. And Thomas More tells his, uh, his young friend who aspires to be in the world of power, he says, be a teacher, Rich. And Rich says, why? And Thomas says, because you'd be a good one. And Rich says, if I were, who would know it? And Thomas says, you... Your students, their parents, and God. Not a bad public, that. <laughs> uh, now, that's a, you know, that's a very lofty notion of education. But I would submit to you that most of the teachers who are teaching in our schools now entered teaching with some, some hint of that, at least. Idealism, some sense that they wanted to serve, they wanted to teach kids, they love kids. But their compass, their mental, mental compass has been narrowed. Uh, by, um, by in many cases, union activities, their conception of themselves. And that's what we look for. That's what I addressed today, the promise, not the premise, not the legalities here, but the promise. Teachers start thinking of themselves not as a cog in the machine, 
but as uh, individual free agents and professionals. Uh, Dr. Bennett, uh, y- you know, you have always been uh, a voice of reason and balance. I miss your radio show, by the way. <laughs> um, Thank you. I don't miss 4 a.m. I'll, <laughs> I'll bet. But this, the, 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 you know, on a different subject, the craziness that's going on in America, the division, the hate, the, 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 the threats that we have just seen. Can you give us your two cents on this whole thing, sir? Yeah, well, um, the, the better angels of our nature, you know, Lincoln said it, said it all. I think there could be work on, on both sides. And uh, I liked what the president said uh, yesterday, this morning, uh, very thoughtful, uh, different, not provocative, not trying to tick anybody off. And, uh, you know, he needs to lead here. And I, and I think he, I think he can. But um, I, I don't know, you know, I mean, I... I, I I am supporting the president because I think he's kept his promises and I think overall he is a force for good. You know, uh, you take a man in the totality of his acts. I certainly don't bless everything this man's done, but I do think you take a man in the totality of his actions and I think he's doing a very good job. But the degree of hatred um, and opprobrium and uh, obloquy directed against him, I have never seen in my life anything like it, not with Reagan. My serve, Ronald Reagan, not with uh, George Bush, not with poor Dan Quayle. It is uh, unbelievable what he is uh, subject to every day. And he's a fighter, so when he gets hit, he punches back. Yeah, indeed. Dr. Bennett, thank you so much for talking to us. Thanks for being involved in education always, and I'm grateful for your friendship. Thank you very much. You have a degree in theology, right? Yes, I do. I have a Ph.D. I was going to go to divinity school to determine the will of God, and I figured out ahead of time the will of God was that I not go to divinity school. <laughs> <laughs> no, you went to politics. <laughs> I was in a degree in philosophy. You and I can have a good conversation again. Yes, we can. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thanks, Frank. You have the right to feel safe in your home. This includes the right under federal fair housing laws to be free from unwanted sexual conduct. I'm United States Attorney David Freed. The Department of Justice wants you to know that if you have been sexually harassed by a landlord or property manager, a loan officer or housing official, a maintenance worker or security guard, you can do something about it. Contact us at 844-380-6178 or email fairhousing at usdoj.gov. You have rights under the Fair Housing Act. Call 844-380-6178 or email fairhousing at usdoj.gov. Everyone has the right to feel safe at home. It's that time of year for all the little ghosts and goblins to head on out and enjoy some trick-or-treating. Just a reminder that coming up on Halloween, Wednesday, October 31st from 4 until 7, the City of Wilkes-Barre, along with the Downtown Wilkes-Barre Business Association and Diamond City Partnership, will be holding trick-or-treat on South Main Street. Because of the work that's being done on Public Square, South Main Street will be closed between Northampton and the square for safe trick-or-treating, so bring out all the little ghosts and goblins and get some treats. Some of the other things that are happening as well, 
On October 30th, which is Tuesday night, things that go boom in the night. King's College Chemistry Club will present the traditional ghoulish exhibition of chemical delights with balloon explosions and a flaming pumpkin finale. The show is designed for a young audience. It gets underway at 7 o'clock Tuesday evening at the Burke Auditorium in the William McGowan School of Business at King College. Admission is free. Some of the other things that are happening on Monday evening, the History of Halloween will be underway in West Pittston. On Tuesday evening at 5, it's Trunk or Treat in Pittston. It's also 6 o'clock on Tuesday evening, Safe Night Out in Hanover area, and at 7, Trunk or Treat in Kingston. Then on Halloween, it's Trick or Treat on Public Square in Wilkesbury. At 5 o'clock, it's the Boobash Halloween Party in Wilkesbury. Also at 5 o'clock, Ashley Fire Department will be holding their annual Trunk or Treat in Ashley. It'll be Halloween Haunt in Larksville at 5.30 Halloween night. 6 o'clock on Halloween, a parade and Trunk or Treat in Plymouth. 6.15 Halloween at the Fairgrounds, Trunk or Treat, that's happening in Dallas. In Trucksville, there's a trunk or treat that gets underway at 6.30 as well. Also coming up, Little Shop of Horrors is currently underway at the Music Box Dinner Playhouse in Swoyersville. The shows will continue this weekend at 8 in the evening and Sunday afternoon at 3. A special additional performance is being held on Halloween. That's on the 31st. Doors open two hours before showtime and dinner is served before the show. You can contact the box office for more information. Also, it's the 5th annual live event at Little Theater of Wilkesbury, the Rocky Horror Show. They will also be having some special performances on Halloween. That will be at 8 o'clock and also on Saturday evening, the 27th, 7 and 11.59 p.m. And if you're familiar at all with Rocky Horror, you don't have to bring your own. They're going to have prop bags available for $5. And looking ahead a little bit, Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland is being presented by Coughlin Players. You'll be able to watch Alice tumble down the rabbit hole into Wonderland and meet all the famous residents who are there, from the King and Queen of Hearts to the Mock Turtle and the Mad Hatter. Performances are coming up November 2nd and 3rd and 4th at GAR High School Auditorium. Tickets, cash only, and sold at the door. Just a few trick-or-treating reminders to have a safe Halloween. Take digital photos of your kids. It's important to have a recent and detailed description in case of an emergency. Of course, make sure your child's costume is safe. The fabric should be fire retardant. The mask should have a proper eye, nose, and mouth opening. And they should be able to walk easily in it. Also, use the buddy system. Heading out in a group, make sure there's a buddy system in place. It's very easy for children to get distracted and either get left behind or mixed up in another group. 
Also, know who your kids are tricking or treating with. Exchange phone numbers with their friends and parents just in case there is an emergency so that everyone will be able to know where everyone else is. And of course, have fun! Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories, a production of Intercom Communications. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.